Welcome back to episode two of the Rabbit Rundown. As always, my name is Jacob Von Bergen, and I'm joined here uh, with my friend and former manager, Cody Reed. Cody, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. Uh, just really, you know, kind of uh, getting ready for this last week before college basketball is back in our lives and, uh, you know, takes up a bunch of our time and I'm, I'm excited for the season to start. Um, and so, yeah, just, just getting excited for, for the season and everything that comes with college basketball being back. Nope, for sure. And there's, you know, there's a lot to be excited about. And, um, you know, with basketball coming back, uh, there's not a whole lot of new storylines from last week to this week, but this week we're going to kind of dive into the non-conference schedule uh, for the men's and women's uh, teams, discuss a little bit about, you know, the media day uh, quotes we kind of got today from AJ and Hendo. Uh, then we'll also be joined uh, by uh, Todd Buckingham from the Reaching the Summit podcast. Uh, just kind of have a conversation with him and talk about a few different things. Uh, but, you know, we'll start on the women's side of all of this. Women had their exhibition game against, you know, St. Cloud. Uh, they won 60 to 45. You know, there's not really a stat sheet or anything out like that from the game. Um, I know they started out a little bit slow, but then kind of pulled away. Played a lot of players, but not a whole lot to note from it. Obviously, you know, an exhibition game, you're not going to show a whole lot, just kind of getting in the rhythm of things. Yeah, I think the two main things to take away, uh, at least from my perspective on this game, was that we haven't seen Maya Selland yet. She didn't play in this game. And, you know, going into some of the things we, we heard on media day, um, you know, I don't think she's probably going to play to start the season, but it sounds like, you know, at some point during this fall, she'll definitely be back and ready to go. There's just not really a timetable on it. The other thing uh, I noticed, um, like you said, they played a lot of players, but I do think that the two freshmen, uh, Paige Meyer and Haley Timmer, are going to be a larger part of the rotation once the season starts, then I may be initially anticipated. I think, you know, they're, they're going to get the opportunities um, right away to, you know, see what they have and uh, see how they can contribute to this team. It's not going to be something where they're only going to get in, you know, if it's an injury, that's kind of the vibe I picked up on from the exhibition game. Nope, for sure. And um, just kind of making some notes or going over the notes we had uh, kind of like you pointed out uh, from the you know media day. Um, there is no real timetable from uh, AJ on what Maya, you know, when she'll be back and all that stuff. He did say, you know, expect a full fall from her, which leads me to believe, um, you know, she's not going to be out until conference season starts. Uh, we'll kind of get into that a little bit here. Um, like you said, he said that expect a lot of players to play. Um, a lot of players did get a lot of action against St. Cloud, including the freshmen, like you noted. Um, but he also mentioned, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, veteran leadership as they didn't lose really anybody from last year, um, ex except expect a lot from, you know, Peyton and Tylee early on until, you know, Maya comes back. Um, but I guess, you know, the first thing we kind of brought up and you kind of hinted at talking about already, you know, Maya, when he says, you know, not expecting a, or to expect a full fall from her, you kind of get that as she's going to play sooner than later, uh, you know, going to be closer to the conference play. What's kind of your read on that? I think it's probably, a little undecided, even from the, the coaching um, and training staff and everything. It's probably, you know, with an ACL injury, a lot of people like to say nine months exactly or one year exactly, you'll, you're back, you're ready to go. And that's not really how these injuries work. There's a lot of um, kind of intricacies of every person, how they're coming back when they feel ready, not only physically, but also psychologically. Like, are they ready to make that cut? Because if 
if they're not psychologically ready to make that cut or, you know, ready to plant on it and confident that takes away from their ability to play basketball. And so I, I do kind of believe them when they say there's not really a timetable by saying full fall, I think we will get Maya back at some point in the non-conference season, but they're still kind of evaluating her on a day-to-day basis and trying to figure out when she is truly ready because this team has so much depth and, you know, experience playing some of these tough opponents they will in the non-conference that I don't think they need her back right away. And that's my read on it. I'd like to hear kind of what you're thinking though. Nope. I'm thinking the same thing. Um, you know, it's hard to, you know, with injuries, you don't want to kind of dissect it too much. Be like, Oh, this is what I think about it. That kind of stuff. But I do think what he says, expect a full fall, fall from her. We're going to see some, you know, action from her before conference season starts up. You don't know where that's going to come into play. Obviously, you know, we'll get into the matchups here shortly, but there are some, you know, pretty big matchups early on that you'd love to have her for. But I wouldn't be surprised if when he says that, you know, we're looking more closer to the Gulf Coast showcase opposed to, you know, any of these early non-conference games. Um, but, you know, she, she has a history with the knee injuries. So she does have that, um, you know, history of getting used to coming back from that and, uh, you know, willing willingness to accept it early on from like, you know, like you said, the cutting and all that. So hopefully mentally, you know, she's kind of over that hump, uh, like having to worry about that kind of stuff, but everybody's different. You don't, you know, you never know how someone's going to react to a new injury. Uh, but yeah, hopefully, you know, she can get physically and mentally ready to come back and she can, you know, help Jack's, the Lady Jack's kind of go throughout the season. Yeah, I think uh, only time will tell with, with her injury there. Um, but that's kind of all I had from, from the exhibition, if you wanted to dive into the non-conference schedule. No, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of start off with uh, – we'll kind of break it up into a few different chunks here. Um, so with the women's non-conference schedule, their first five games are really, you know, starting out strong. They obviously saw the Concordia-St. Paul exhibition game um, on Thursday the 4th. Uh, but really once you start getting into the – the uh, actual games that matter. They're starting out, you know, with some pretty tough opponents. They're starting at home against Green Bay, at Mississippi State, uh, at Iowa State, at home versus Montana State, and then at Creighton. So, you know, the first five games are going to be a real, uh, real test for them, especially without Maya, assuming Maya's not playing at that point. Um, what's kind of your thoughts on the first, you know, five games and what we can really read into the, you know, the SDSU ladies just based off those games, even without Maya playing? Yeah, I think first you you take a look at the Green Bay matchup. That's their first game because, um, you know, that's their first one. We'll preview it a little more, but Green Bay picked to be third in their conference. They do have some kind of history with the, the Jackrabbits, and one of their assistant coaches is Megan Vogel, former SDSU player for the Jacks, and then also I believe was on the coaching staff for a little while before she went to Green Bay. So they'll be very familiar I think they've played in the non-conference two years ago and maybe even a few times before that. So they're, they're going to be familiar with each other and I'm sure it'll be a good battle because it usually is between those two. So it's a great test to open the season. Um, you know, especially at home, you get a chance to, to impress the fans that have been waiting a long time to be in full force. So that'll be a good test. And then, you know, you go on the road for two major conference power five conference opponents, Mississippi State out of the SEC, Iowa State out of the Big 12. I believe Iowa 
State might be ranked. Yeah, Iowa State is ranked 12th in the country. So you get a chance at a top 25 team to, to get that. And then, you know, Mississippi State out of the SEC is always going to be a tough test. And, you know, I'm sure they'll have a lot of size. And then going into the last two, you got two kind of uh, mid-major teams that have been pretty good. Um, they've kind of beat up on Creighton in the, in the past. I think they've kind of had their number in the non-conference, if I remember correctly. Um, but home against Montana State at Creighton, both going to be good tests. I'm sure they'll be good battles. So I, I think if the Jacks can, can go three and two in that stretch, that's really good for them. Um, and I think that would kind of be the goal. Nope, for sure. And, you know, like you mentioned with Green Bay, there seems to be a lot of history between the two. It seems like they're both kind of those mid-major programs that have really just shown consistency throughout the years at being a potential conference or conference winner tournament type team. Uh, so it's always good when they kind of match up because it's a good, you know, initial game for both programs. Kind of a, uh, a word, I'll, a term I'll probably use a lot today is a, kind of a measuring stick game for the, you know, the Jacks just to get things going. Um, don't believe Mississippi State's, you know, obviously as good as they've been in the past. Um, you know, usually they're top, you know, 10 team for sure. Um, but, you know, they're a big program, like you said. So expect, you know, obviously a really good game from them. Um, and then Iowa State, like you said, top, you know, 15 team. Um, should be a lot, pretty interesting matchup. Uh, you know, like you said, without Maya, you don't really know what the Jacks, how they're going to look. Obviously down the end kind of down the stretch last year, they struggled when Maya wasn't in the game. Um, but, you know, they, with a lot, whole off season of practice, kind of, you know, it's not just last minute, kind of throwing some stuff together. Hopefully they, you know, look a lot more competitive, uh, kind of going through throughout the non-conference here and, uh, you know, rounding out with Montana State back at home, get the fans there again and kind of get things loud. And then, you know, Creighton, hopefully they, like you said, kind of keep beating up on them and, um continue forward there. And like you said, three and two would be good out of that. Um, you know, if they want to get back to being ranked four and one would probably be the most ideal. You know, you never know how it's going to look uh, without, you know, with our uncertainty with Maya, but you know, three and two, four and one would be, you know, ideal coming out of those, uh, especially if you want to, you know, get back to that at large um, such, you know, ranked throughout the season. So <clears throat> I think that'll be, you know, an interesting uh, first five games uh, kind of, you know, taking us through, Thanksgiving there, um, and then going into you know, their golf, their Gulf Coast uh, showcase down in uh, Estero, Florida. Which, um, and just a couple notes too. Um, I think, uh, like you said, the thing about being able to prepare for not playing with Maya if she is out, I think is a really critical thing because last year that was so far in the season. You're so used to all the things you've been doing. You know, you don't it's kind of more of a shock to the system and you don't have enough time to, to really implement that much new stuff. Whereas this year mm -hmm. they know that Maya might not play at the beginning of the year. So I think you're a lot more prepared and people know what roles they need to step into. And um, the coaching staff will have them kind of more geared to, you know, the, the offensive game plan more geared to suit the players that they do have and, and all those things. And then I think the Iowa state game uh, Hilton Coliseum, especially now that it's back to full fans will be a great um, kind of road environment to really uh, test, you know, uh, a team at the beginning of the year that should be pretty veteran has done, has dealt with these uh, environments in the past, but maybe some of those new players that 
it's kind of a welcome to college basketball um, environment. So that'll be really fun. But back to the Gulf Coast Showcase. Nope, for sure. And, you know, uh, they'll open up that tournament with, uh, you know, UMass. Um, that'll be their first round matchup. Uh, and then, you know, it's, it's more of a tournament setting. Uh, so there's not really guaranteed matchups. So, you know, potentially could face UCLA or Kent State after that. Um, also in the tournament, again, they could bump into Iowa State right away again, Charlotte, Penn State, or St. John. So it would be kind of funny, you know, if both teams, you know, win out, lose out, however it kind of goes, if they'd meet up with Iowa State, you know, a week later, <laughs> 10 days later, uh, down in Florida. It'd be kind of a funny, you know, matchup to revisit there. But, um, no, uh, like you said, it's like I said, it's UMass. Uh, is really the only guaranteed matchup. And then, you don't know, never know if you go to UCLA or Kent State. And then, however, the rest of the bracket shakes up. But, um, you know, as somebody that was a manager, what in, when you were there, they kind of did these tournaments more with SDSU on the guy's side. What, what do you kind of gain from a tournament like this? And uh, what do you kind of expect, you know, from the ladies down in Florida? I think there's two things that you really look for when you go and play in one of these, you know, kind of holiday tournaments, Thanksgiving time tournaments. I think it's one, it's a great bonding opportunity within the team to start the year. You know, it's probably your first real big road trip where you're on the road together for a long time. You got a lot of meals together, travel together. So I think it's an opportunity there to really mesh and build chemistry as a team on and off the court. Um, it's also a really great simulation of what you might, might face uh, come conference tournament time because you're playing three games in three days. Hopefully that's not the case for the Jacks. You know, if they get one of the two top seeds in the Summit League, it's three games in four days. But um, you really get to see kind of how your team can prepare only, you know, without having to practice, only having to shoot around, only getting a little bit of film. Um, and especially against teams that you might not play um, on a regular basis. So that would be more for the NCAA tournament. Um, but so I think those are the two things you, you get a chance to really build the team chemistry. And then you also get to see, um, you know, how your team fares in that kind of tournament environment that you'll get down the road. And I think that bonding thing you brought up there uh, is important because, you know, we'll talk maybe more about it with uh, either Todd or when we get into the men's stuff. Uh, but like Hendo has, uh, you know, on multiple occasions. So I've heard him talk about how they're, you know, they're having team activities again. You're doing, you know, different things uh, that they weren't able to do during COVID, full team meetings, full team meals. So yeah, a tournament like this, like you said, you know, everyone can go into the same room and hang out. You're not just, you know, getting together for a shoot around and then, you know, separating back up into groups of two or four or whatever they were allowed. So um, I think the bonding thing, obviously a lot of the players have played together for multiple years um, at this point, just because of the free year with COVID. Um, but never you know with the new the new freshmen coming in it's always important to kind of get them you know into the group into the chemistry um and kind of see like you said how they react to the three days three games kind of the atmosphere in case you run into that down the road and uh, how quickly they can comprehend you know game tape uh from the limited you know stuff they get on uh, the limited time they get for the, preparing for the opponent yeah for sure it's a, it's a great test and i'm sure It'll be exciting once once we get there to see kind of what matchups uh, they might have after that first first uh, round. Yep. Um, and then we'll kind of, you know, round it out with the, the last four games for the women here. Um, you know, some similar opponents that we've seen in the past. Uh, you know, they go with at Northern Iowa, so down in Cedar, 
Cedar Falls. Um, that's you know December fourth, starting that back up after the cl- or showcase. And then they go. They're at Homebrew's Missouri State, uh, at Homebrew's Kansas State, um, and then they end their non-conference kind of with a you know more of a tune-up game uh, if you want to call it that Dakota Wesleyan um, at home. So uh, you know some more interesting matchups. Obviously Kansas State and Northern Iowa gave some issues. Uh, gave the Jacks some issues last year. Um, Missouri State, you know, another mid-major uh, team. So a lot of interesting matchups there, even uh, still kind of rounding it out. Really a overall just a very difficult schedule for, you know, the Jackrabbit women to kind of get ready to go. And, you know, like we've hit on a couple times without Maya, you really don't know, you know, what her availability is going to be. But it's going to be a lot of a test for a lot of the, um, you know, ladies against these tougher opponents, maybe even without Maya, uh, to kind of see what they're made out of and what they can – you know, what kind of adversity they can handle. Yeah, I think this, that, that stretch, um, those three games at Northern Iowa versus Missouri State versus Kansas State are going to be very tough. In a, in a one week, they play those three teams. All three teams have kind of given them fits in the past. I think they did beat Missouri State last year um, down at Missouri State, if I'm not mistaken. But all three of those teams are extremely physical. Um, they kind of match up well with the Jacks. And so uh, I'm excited to see how they, they game plan against those teams that have kind of beat them in the past or played them very tough. Uh, but, but they'll definitely feel beat up uh, after that week. If um, once they're done playing those, because I remember watching when they played those teams last year, how, how physical all three of those teams played. And then they get, you know, that nice kind of reset tune up game, if you will, don't want to overlook them, but you know, you, you play DWU to kind of feel good heading into the um, conference season. Nope, for sure. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they played Northern Iowa twice last year in the non-conference, a home and home. Uh, went yep. one and one against them. Lost to Kansas State. Uh, Kansas State had a lot of length last year. I don't, you know, I haven't dove into the roster. We'll get more into the individual matchups, you know, when those weeks come along. Um, Say with Missouri State. But I know Kansas State last year had all that length that really gave the Jacks issues because Kansas State wasn't very good last year but uh you know we saw them kind of go after the Jacks weakness last year and that was the bigger longer kind of players so um you know we'll see what that those teams kind of look like come that time obviously that's beginning of December so there's still quite a bit you know to shake out for the Jacks uh and all those teams as well but um like you said familiar foes uh, a lot of interesting matchups there um and it'll be interesting to see you know come December, you know, what position SDSU is in, you know, the health of the team, you know, like we said a lot, Maya's availability. Um, so I think that is, you know, the big storyline is, you know, what is she going to look like for the Jacks? When's she going to be at 100%? Um, and really, I guess, you know, how do you grade the non-conference accurately if she isn't playing at full strength? Because, you know, if the Jacks have a good record coming out of it, it's like, okay, now we're bringing, you know, Maya in. Um, you know, the sky's the limit. Um, but, you know, if they perform badly going into the conference schedules, is like, oh, crap, now we need to, you know, win the Summit League to get into the tournament. So, you know, without with the whole, like, uncertainty around Maya, it's going to be very interesting how, you know, how we react to the non-conference schedule and, you know, how the ladies, you know, play. Yeah, um, I totally agree. Uh, I do think that with how veteran this team is. I mean, they have other pieces, you know, that aren't Maya. Obviously she is a very special player because she's, you know, she, she's up for the mid-major player of the year award. 
she, she brings a dynamic to the team that no one else can. But I do think with the roster that they have and the depth they have, they should be able to stay competitive in these games. Um, and it is a tough, it's, you know, it's a very tough non-conference schedule. And I think that'll hopefully prepare them. But like you said, if they do kind of hit a, hit a slippery spot, struggle a little bit, it may be, they may be in a situation uh, when they start the conference play of like, we aren't really in play for an at-large bid, you know, mm -hmm. we have to win the conference. Um, and so I, I think only time will tell there. We can't, can't really project it too far out, but you know, it, it could be a situation that they maybe haven't been in, you know, the past couple of years. Uh, if, if they do struggle in the, in, tough non-conference slate. No, for sure. And, um, you know, just going through it, they obviously, they, they have the 12 non-conference games. Um, just kind of, you know, putting you on the spot here. Um, I think for me, the number is probably nine and three, but what, what would you be happy with as a record, you know, coming out of the non-conference just, you know, with the uncertainty of everything, um, what would kind of be a number you, you know, you'd hope for or be happy with um, coming out of the non-conference? Yeah, I think uh, I think nine and three is definitely you're you're doing well. I, I think that's probably the top end of, of where they'll be just because of how tough this is. I don't anticipate them, you know, being able to just really run the table. Uh, yeah. Not that I wouldn't love to see it, but uh, so I think nine and three is probably kind of their ceiling. A little bit is going to depend on those matchups in the Gulf Coast Showcase. Mm -hmm. um, but I think you know if you're a couple games above five hundred, I think that's where you want to be for sure. And kind yep. of where I, I maybe see them pending those matchups and Maya's availability. Yep. Anywhere, you know, seven to five, seven and five, nine to three, just, you know, a lot of it depends on how they look too. Like if, you know, if they're going to like, you know, the Gulf Coast class or Gulf Coast showcase and, you know, Iowa state and some of these bigger opponents and they're, you know, hanging around and, you know, losing by a few points, it's a lot different than when they're, and then if they're losing by 10, you know, um, you'll come the bid time or, you know, when it's going to the tournament, Obviously, a lot of that plays into it, but, um, you know, just get, you know, being competitive with or without Maya is going to be huge. Um, it was, you know, be interested. It'll be interesting to see, but I think, you know, anywhere seven to five, seven to five, nine to three, nine and three, those will be kind of numbers to aim for. Obviously, like, you know, 12 and 0 would be ideal, but, you know, unrealistic. But, you know, we said the same thing about uh, the conference season last year. Neither of us projected them to go undefeated in the conference schedule. They did. So, you know, you never know. They, they, you know, surprise us a lot. And with AJ at the helm, it's, you know, you never want to count him out of any game. All right. We'll call it a challenge. Let's uh, have them prove us wrong again. I'd be all for it. Nope. All for that as well. Um, but, you know, with that, we'll kind of move over to the men's side of things. Uh, with, some, you know, some of the notes from the, uh, from Hendo's, uh, you know, five minute uh, kind of press conference, whatever you want to kind of call it. Um, one of the major things he said was, you know, the health of the team, Doug's back, uh, you know, playing fully healthy this year. Last year, you know, he was dealing with the foot most of the year, if not all of the year. Uh, Charlie Easley's back to practice. Uh, he had a hand injury early on in, uh, in the summer. So he's back kind of getting back in the swing of things. Um, and did note that Doug is the only senior on the team this year, uh, meaning Matt, uh, Luke, and Alex will all be back uh, for another year. Matt and Alex, they're juniors and they're in their fifth year of the program already. Will be sixth if they stick around next year. Um, I think the big note with you know Matt and Luke, both technically you know have another year after this year. The big kind of question for post this year is the depth at the big man. Well, now you don't have to worry about that for another year, and you have time to get guys like Broden and 
you know, maybe other junior college recruits into the program up to speed with size and you know physicality of the game at the D1 level and kind of go from there. And obviously with the transfer roles, you never can, you know, you'll never, you're never really sure what your team's going to look like in a year, but you know, it does leave some, uh, you know, some hope that there's going to be some additional big men around for another year at SDSU. Yeah, I didn't uh, have too much else to really add from that, you know, media day hit that or press conference that that Hendo did. Um, you know, they're in a fortunate position of, of having everyone back. I think the one thing maybe he did say that we touched on a little bit last week is how it's rare to have this many people back. It's rare that they all stayed. And I think that speaks to the togetherness of the team already, um, how well they like each other, how well they play each play with each other. And then that also trickles down into practice of how competitive practice is. And I'm sure it's making everyone better because everyone knows that there's not enough minutes for everyone to get the minutes they want. And so if you're not on your A game in practice, someone's taking your spot. And um, I think that that breeds a good environment most of the time, if you have a coaching staff that can culture it in the right way of where you, you're really making your team better in games and practice off the court throughout the entire year. And speaking of, uh, you know, returning production and everything, uh, they put out a uh, graphic last week with, you know, what's returning. It just kind of the numbers. I knew it was going to be like this, but just kind of seeing them on, you know, in the picture was kind of astonishing to me. So they put out minutes. So returning 99.3 points, 99.7 rebounds, 99.6 assists, 99.1 blocks, hundred percent steals, 98.4 three pointers, hundred percent. So, it just, you know, seeing that on paper is just wild. Um, uh, just, you know, seeing like, oh, this, like, they do have a lot coming back. Like, this is, you know, <laughs> the entire team really, like, he, outside of what he said, you know, Willie um, is the only guy that left, and that's probably where the steals were. But, you know, you're getting all nine guys that really produced for the team last year back. Um, and, you know, as he said in his press conference today, uh, this is probably the most depth he's seen at SDSU. Um, he talked about how fall practices, practices have been terrific. Um, they've been a very spirited practices. So they've probably been very competitive. I think I've heard him you know, mention that a couple times. Um, but he, you know, said the depths is, uh, the team is something he hasn't seen here yet before. And, you know, like when, T, when he first showed up with TJ, that, you know, they only played seven, eight guys a game. This year we could legitimately see 10 or 11 guys at a time playing. And kind of like I've noted in past episodes, we're going to have games this year where, you know, guys score, three guys might score in the 20s. Then we're going to have games where there's seven or eight guys with 10 plus points. And it's really, you know, spread out with the scoring. Because last year there was games where we had eight guys with, you know, 12 plus points or 10 plus points. So the offense is going to be, you know, pretty spread out, I think, this year. But like I said, could see 11 guys play you know, meaningful minutes, some games, depending on, you know, fouls and things of that nature. And there wouldn't be as much drop off as, you know, many other teams would think when they're playing 11 guys. Yeah. It's, it's all um, very encouraging to hear and very exciting to hear of, yeah, just that kind of competitiveness, depth, togetherness. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, when you have the right mix of people and can foster that right mix of people, where it's competitive, but no one is feeling like angry with each other, you know, because someone's getting an opportunity that they're not. 
they're mm-hmm. just supportive of, of their teammates and their friends. Uh, that's a special mix that, that can often lead to, you know, a really successful and special season. No, for sure. And um, he kind of made note of the two freshmen again. Uh, sounds like if I had to guess, you know, with Broden, it's going to be a slower transition into the lineup. But I do think, you know, he talked about the physicality of the game. So against bigger teams, I would not be surprised if we see him again coming in at the four, you know, quite a bit. Um, but he does like to note how much of a shooter he is. So, you know, his offense, bringing that extra, you know, thing, extra wrinkle, being an outside four, uh, can shoot. You know, that could get him in the lineup a lot sooner than later, just because that is something right now that SCSU doesn't have is a 6'8 shooter. Um, so, you know, we might see him on the court sooner than later just because of his offensive abilities. And he, you know, made mention of Zeke again that Zeke is long and he's quick. So he's going to play a lot of – I think he's going to see a lot of meaningful minutes earlier than a lot expected with the depth that we have at guard. But I think, you know, he is, what, 6'3 and a point guard. So he does add that, you know, thing that SCSU hasn't had is that quick guard to kind of shut down guys like Max Ace. Like, he won't shut down Max Smith, but he does have that ability maybe to stay in front of him a little bit more be a little bit longer uh, to give some issues to other guards. And, you know, we'll see. You see it's college basketball. You see a lot of freshmen get, you know, meaningful minutes at, you know, bigger time programs. And it'll be interesting to see how, you know, these two guys develop into the uh, D1 roles and uh, how early they kind of get into some action here. I'd say you're spot on kind of with, with that analysis of how those players are going to be used at least to start the season. And they're going to get the chance to prove themselves and either expand on those roles or, you know, just continue to develop uh, behind the scenes. But, um, you know, they're, they're both – they're not going to redshirt. So, the, you know, they're, they're going to have some times this year uh, where they get the chance to, to prove what they got, and uh, it'll be fun to watch. Oh, for sure. And, you know, that being said, let's – we'll dive into the matchups here. Common thing between the guy, theme between the guys and the girls, very tough non-conference schedules. Uh, first five games for the SDSU men – uh, they have a home game versus Bradley. Uh, they're on the road against Alabama, on the road against Stephen F. Austin, uh, on the, at home versus Montana State, and at home uh, versus Presentation. Obviously, Presentation kind of a, you know, a, probably get a confidence back game because it is a very difficult slate to start the year. Bradley, strong major, major team. We saw them beat them down at Bradley last year, uh, but Bradley kind of had a down year. You, you kind of expect them to have a bounce back this season. Um, at Alabama, they're a, a solid program, top 14, 15, I believe. Um, Stephen F. Austin, they've been in the tournament a few times. Montana State, you know, we've seen them before in the past. Always a tough matchup. Um, so I guess, you know, Bradley coming to Brookings, it's kind of the first matchup. We kind of go, um, we'll kind of dive into that one a little bit more since it is uh, a game that's played next week. But that's, you know, one of the higher mid-major teams we've seen come to Frost in a long time. Um, and then at Alabama, it's, you know, probably the highest ranked team they've played since Kansas. So I guess what's your thoughts on the early slate of games there and um, what you kind of expect to see? Much like the woman, like you said, it's a very tough non-conference schedule. Um, they start the season with Bradley. Uh, Bradley's picked, I think, middle of the pack in the Valley. Um, they only return two starters. So that'll be something to watch um, is Bradley – being able, you know, how are they going to form their team uh, versus SDSU where they've kind of known what their team's going to be uh, mm-hmm. since, you know, April. 
And so if we rem- if you remember uh, from last year when they played Bradley, they beat them down in Bradley. Um, and that was the game where the Jacks made, I think, like 17 three-pointers. So it was just everyone was going off. It was a super high-scoring, exciting game. And so hopefully we'll get another one of those to start the year. Other thing to note with Bradley is that they are playing an exhibition prior to this game. So uh, it'll be kind of interesting to see how a team that's played some real game competition comes in against uh, SDSU, who doesn't have an exhibition on the schedule. No, nope. uh, and then they, like you, they do have those scrimmages, though. Yes, they play Iowa State and uh, Drake. Kind of mad that we didn't get any leaks uh, from other scores. I see, I saw leaks from other games, but for some reason SDSU, Iowa State, and Drake all have tight lips and don't let scores out. So kind of frustrating, but you know, those are probably games we probably should have mentioned a little bit more just as, you know, tune-up games. Uh, But again, we don't know what happened in those games. Don't know who played, what kind of minutes teams got, but um, you know, they at least they are coming in with a little bit of action into that Bradley game. True. They, they have played those games. So I guess the the main thing is, you know, you haven't played in front of fan, any fans, um, which might be a little weird since they haven't done that for a couple years. Um, it is at home, so that's nice that it's a supportive fan group. Um, but uh, we'll see with that first matchup next week. Uh, then they go play at Alabama. It'll be a great test. Um, you know, a top 25 team, super athletic. They seem to be on the come up with their uh, program. They got a really good coach down there. Uh, so they were in the tournament last year. Uh, I believe that's who Oral Roberts lost to or no. Ye, I'm not sure. Or was it uh, Arkansas? Those two teams are very similar. Yeah, <laughs> um, same color scheme. Uh, but yep. a- anyway, it was a, a team that you know played in the tournament last year, so they'll be they'll be ready to go and it'll be a great test in, in the non-conference. Hopefully, they can you know keep that game competitive. And you go at Stephen F. Austin, a team that's been at the top of their conference, uh, you know, for the past five years. So it'll be a team very similar to the Jacks level. Hopefully you can go down, get a win there, steal a win almost. Um, and then at home against Montana State, who beat SDSU last year in Bozeman. Uh, so it'll be a good chance to kind of get some vengeance for that loss um, in the rivalry of my own personal <laughs> schooling. So, um, But no, yeah. Um, I guess this, I think the big, you know, advantage – uh, SDSU has, you kind of noted it, um, just that's why it was Arkansas. So, but yeah, same schools, same, basically the same team. Uh, but the big advantage they have against teams like Bradley and Alabama early on are both those schools have a bunch of new guys. I know Alabama took in a bunch of transfers this year. Um, Bradley, like you said, only two returning starters. So SDSU, you know, returning all five starters, um, four main bench players, and have two new guys coming off the bench that, you know, we expect to see some minutes from, um, you know, they have the chemistry that Alabama and Bradley won't have early on, you know, so maybe you can see kind of like go down to Alabama and upset them a little bit since they're not, you know, maybe in their swing of things. Whereas, you know, SDSU, like after probably a few practices, they were probably not at a hundred percent, but you know, at this point when all these guys have played together for two, three years, you know, they know where they're going to be on the court. They know the system. Um, so you know, there is that just built-in chemistry. So it'll be very interesting to see, you know, if they can go down to, Tus- down to Tuscaloosa and, you know, give Bama, uh, you know, a real test and 
uh, kind of put the Summit League back on the map after, you know, like you mentioned, Oral Roberts' big run last year. Um, and then, you know, like you said, Bradley, that was a big game last year where they kind of like, okay, this team, you know, offensively is the real deal, kind of show that consistency. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Bradley comes into to Frost after that last year. Um, if, you know, they're coming to, you know, enact some revenge or if there's just not enough guys on the team from last year that remember it. But um, a lot of really interesting matchups there. Uh, obviously, presentation, the get-right game in case, you know, some of those first few games go haywire. Uh, but, you know, like I mentioned, Bradley at home, big non-conference game to, you know, host. So guys like Luke will probably get their first experience playing in front of uh, real fans at Frost because last year is pretty limited. So Frost will be rocking, I assume. Um, you know, it's a Tuesday night, so you never know for sure, but that is the same night the, the women play Brad or Green Bay. So it could be a really big, you know, doubleheader for, for both. It's a very interesting matchup to start at Frost. Um, would expect the fans to come out because they generally do there. Um, and I expect, you know, to be a pretty loud environment, especially come the men's game, you know, 8-15 on a Tuesday night. A little late for a lot, but it's college basketball. It's their first game back at Frost, you know, with a full Frost arena. Probably the last time we'll see this set up at Frost because I believe, you know, construction will be starting after this year. So, you know, this will be the last, you know, full season at this kind of Frost arena, you know, setup. So um, it'll be very interesting to see how those, you know, first few, you know, first slate of games happen. Um, but like after the presentation game, to get right back into that crossover classic uh, we saw him playing last year and uh, have three, you know, really good matchups down in Sioux Falls. Um, you know, Nevada, Washington, George Mason, all three teams we've seen in the tournament within, you know, recent history. Um, so, you know, three games that, you know, really, like I said before, big measuring stick games for the Jacks will be a very home environment for them. Uh, it's leading up to, I believe, you know, Thanksgiving. So, um, or is it after? I don't remember what day Thanksgiving is on. I think it's before. Before. So, yeah, it'll be three big days, you know, going into, thanks, uh, you know, the Thanksgiving break. Uh, but, you know, again, like you said, tournament environment, three games, three days. Uh, we'll see, you know, how they how they play in those because last year, we, you know, that's when we kind of really got alerted to how good SDSU could be was in this, like, three-game series at, in Sioux Falls. Um, when they weren't just playing the Summit League teams, when they were playing, you know, the West Virginia's um, – but, you know, at the end of that tournament, we saw him kind of fall off. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, with the depth, with the, you know, presumably healthy team, how do they look in a three games and three days kind of scenario? Yeah. And so, you know, coming out of that first five game stretch, I think the goal is to, you know, as veteran as this team is healthy, everyone's back. I think four and one is what you want to come out of that stretch with, you know, maybe five and oh, if you can really <laughs> yeah. upset Alabama, knock off the top team. But, you know, four and one is probably the, the realistic expectation. And then, like you said, crossover classic in Sioux Falls, they actually get the home environment um, where they didn't really have that last year other than just being in the building before. Um, so excited for the fans to come out to that and provide, you know, basically three home games, you know, for the Jacks. Um, and it's against teams that, you know, Nevada's a top tier mid-major program. Um, SDSU's played them. I think in the last two or th in the last three years, they played them at Nevada, lost that game. So chance to, to beat them. And then Washington is one of the power five teams that I believe Nate Walters led a victory over um, yep. right around Christmas time back when he was playing, uh, I think in his senior year. 
Uh, so maybe get a, a double dip uh, of beating Washington and then George Mason's uh, another team from the, I believe they're the Colonial Conference that I don't know too much about them at this point, but they're usually formidable in their conference. So uh, yep. three, three solid games. I am interested to see though, like you said, let's play three complete games. Cause last year it was a tough battle against West Virginia. They lost, killed Utah state and Craig Smith. That was awesome. Yep. And then <laughs> really fell off against St. Mary's. So let's try and get three complete games when we go to the, the classic in Sioux Falls. No, yeah. And you know, this classic, I don't know, you know, how many years are going to do this. Um, but you know, it is a great opportunity for SCSU to, you know, get these bigger teams to come play them. Um, a lot of teams, you know, won't go to Frost, won't go to Brookings, whether it's because of travel, whether it's because of, you know, the environment. But again, you expect a very loud SDSU crowd at these games. Um, obviously, you don't expect Nevada fans, Washington fans, or George Mason fans to travel to Sioux Falls right before Thanksgiving um, for a few games. But you never know, there are some big matchups in there. Because you know Nevada and Washington will play, and these three teams will play each other. So um, you don't, you know, we know what the fan bases will look like, but it will be a very pro SDSU environment. Um, so it'll be fun to see how they, you know, perform there, and if they can do, you know, three complete games. Obviously, you'd like to see them come out of their three and zero. You know, wouldn't be surprised if it's more of a two and one type thing. But um, you know, these are teams that historically have been bubble, if not tournament teams. So it'll be very interesting to see how, you know, they perform. Obviously, you don't know what level they're at now, but it'll be fun to kind of watch, um, watch how they do against some of these, you know, teams where there's, like you said, back-to-back-to-back games. So um, it's going to be really interesting in Sioux Falls. <clears throat> and then we'll kind of move into the uh, the last five games, kind of the last slate there. Um, they, you know, go against Prairie View A&M. Uh, that's in Brookings. They get Minnesota Morris. Kind of another get right game uh, that's in Brookings. Uh, then they go to Idaho, uh, to Spokane uh, to face Washington State, and then they play at Missouri State. So, you know, two more home games and three on the road uh, to kind of go into conference schedule. But, um, you know, from this slate, obviously, you know, uh, some interesting matchups there. Uh, what's, what's kind of your thoughts going into that one? Yeah, I think the the first two, the Prairie View A&M, Minnesota Morris, those are games that you know, kind of get added to the schedule just because it's nice to have some non-conference home games, but, you know, it's just very hard to schedule quality teams to come to Frost Arena, um, you know, with Minnesota Morris being a D2, Prairie View A&M kind of being a lower tier uh, D1 team. They're usually pretty good in their conference, the SWAC, I believe, um, but just not quite to that mid-major level that SDSU's at. Uh, so, you know, you look for those to be two games where SDSU comes out, takes care of business, shows the fans, you know, what they can expect for conference play. And then you have a nice road swing, you know, go out west at Idaho. That's a team they've played a lot in the non-conference lately. Big Sky team. Um, I think most of the time they've, be they've beaten them. Uh, Idaho might have got SDSU one of those times in the, in the past five years or so when they've played. Um, but kind of that opportunity to go on that road trip uh, a little bit that we were talking about with the um, women's team when they go down to Florida for the showcase, um, you know, SDSU having their tournament in Sioux Falls, it's, it's not quite the same thing. So being able to go out West on a road trip, kind of that mm -hmm. chemistry building, team bonding, 
experience. And then they get to play Washington State in Spokane Arena. Uh, Jacks fans will know that Spokane Arena is where they lost to Maryland in a heartbreaker in the NCAA tournament back in, uh, I think, 15 or 16. Um, so a, a chance to maybe get some revenge on the arena in, in that environment when they play Washington State. But a, a quality Pac-12 team, you try and go in there and maybe get a sweep of the Washington schools in the Pac-12 for the season and then finish up at Missouri State, another quality um, mid-major team. So, uh, you know, I'm excited for this this non-conference slate, the whole thing. Uh, I think it's got just the right amount of kind of tune-up games or more easy-ish games. You don't want to overlook them, but then also some really um, competitive opponents that I think the Jacks can still hang with and compete with. Uh, they're not just going to go in there and, and get blown out. Nope, for sure. And honestly, and there's a little bit of a different, you know, I don't know the right word, maybe feeling going into a non-conference for men versus women. You know, the women are going into it as here's how we get to be in that large team. Men, it's basically for seeding. It's like you still have to win the conference tournament, but, um, you know, once you're like, once you win that, okay, here's who we've played. Here's why we shouldn't be a 15 seed. Here's why we should be a, you know, 13 or a 12 or 11. So, these games, you know, are really more important for uh, getting the team, you know, playing, like you said, competitive of teams, but also like if they win the tournament, like, okay, here's the quality wins we have. Here's what we do against these, you know, tournament type teams. This is why we should be seated higher. You're spot on. You know, the, the only way you maybe get that large um, in the Summit League on the men's side is if you don't lose a game all year and then happen to lose in the conference championship, maybe you can lose one game. Um, yeah. you know, if you lose to Alabama and then that's your only loss heading into the conference game. So realistically, you're playing for seeding and you're also just playing to get yourself playing your best once the conference season starts, because that's what really matters on the men's side. Um, so really with this, I'm, I've been racking my brain trying to figure out a, an accurate number. Um, but I guess for you, what would you be happy, you know, coming out of this? There's 13 games. Um, you know, seven wins, is that kind of the goal? Uh, what's kind of your thoughts on what you'd like to see, you know, the Jack Rabbit men come out of this non-conference schedule with? So, yeah, I think if you take the, the first five, I think, like we said, four and one, I think one to two wins in the crossover classic is about what you'd expect. So mm -hmm. we'll, we'll aim high. We'll go six. You expect to beat A&M and Morris. So you're at eight. Yep. And then I'd say nine would be a, nine. a good spot for the Jacks to be. Like we kind of said, that would be the ceiling on the men's side or on the women's side. I think nine is about kind of middle uh, on the men's side. You know, if they struggle a little bit, it's maybe seven. Um, if they win a couple games that they're probably not expected to win, maybe you're, you're closer to 10, 11. So mm -hmm. that's kind of how I see it. No, yep. And I think when I said seven, I just kind of ignored the presentation and Morris games. So, yeah, that kind of get, would get you to that nine, your goal there. Um, so, yeah, you know, Bradley will be the first test. Um, you know, we'll see them Tuesday next week. Um, but, yeah, there's, you know, a lot of lot to be excited about with the SCSU men. Um, a lot less questions, I think, with the men than the women, um, you know, at least for the non-conference. Um, but, you know, like, like I said, this is a lot about style points. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how, 
you know, SDSU looks, what kind of, you know, what the team kind of looks like. Are they going to, you know, be as consistent from behind the three-point line as they were last year as one of the, you know, more, um, you know, one of the better teams from behind the arc last year. So we'll see how that, you know, translates into this year. And if, you know, their chemistry's, you know, spot on right away or, you know, how they travel. So a lot of, you know, a lot of interesting storylines kind of watch with the men's team. Um, a lot of players coming back, a lot of new guys. So just, you know, it's a very exciting time to be a, you know, SCSU Jackrabbit fan, uh, the basketball side of things, both men's and women's a lot, you know, especially with this non-conference schedule, really not schedules we've seen from both sides before. And it'd be nice to see, you know, consistently, especially up from the men to, you know, see these quality opponents week in and week out. Um, really when conference is looking to get to a two-bid league, you know, probably five plus years on the road, this is what a non-conference is going to have to look like every year, but you're going to be expecting more wins. Uh, you know, you're going to be hoping to win all those games, but uh, it's really nice to see the men really get a good, you know, slay the games to play this year. It'll be interesting to see how they do with it. Yeah. I think taking advantage of the crossover classic uh, is going to be huge because uh, opportunities like that aren't always going to be there. And it's a chance to get three pseudo home games um, when they can't get people to come to frost. Yep. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited for it. I think with as veteran of a team as they have, um, they're up to the task and kind of the three X's and O's things to watch. Like you said, consistency from three. Do we have that same consistency as we had last year? Free throw shooting. Does, do we just need, you know, is that behind us? We don't have to worry about that at the end of the games anymore. And then I think defensively, if they can figure out how to, go on longer stretches where they, they shut people out for a little while and don't let them hang around in games. Cause I think at times last year, the Jacks struggled a little bit, you know, putting, putting the, the hammer down and making sure teams aren't in the game anymore. And then against some of these bigger opponents going on those four minute stretches where, you know, you hold them to just a few points so you can build a lead if you have it or come back uh, if you're behind. Nope, for sure. And yeah, I guess it's, it's one storyline we haven't really touched on with the men's team is the free throws last year. It's kind of, you know, one of those things I think we all kind of locked up and threw out, threw away just the thought on, you know, how they did struggle with that last year. And, you know, you hope it's better this year. Um, you know, you did see improvement throughout the year, uh, but it just wasn't consistently there. You know, at one point, Doug was you know, really struggling. Then at one point, it seemed like he was the best free throw shooter on the team. This, you know, he went on a run there for a few games where he like barely ever missed. Um, so yeah, it's you know interesting to see how the team, um, if they've hit the gym this year and really just focused on those because that was you know like you said a big part of them not putting some teams away last year was the lack of free throw consistency. So um, you know Alex was obviously a big you know big free throw shooter for the team down the stretch last year. Uh, you know with Noah coming back, uh, will be interesting to see what he can do. Baylor obviously expect, you know, his free throws to kind of align more with his three-point shooting uh, consistency there. Uh, but yeah, throughout the team, this kind of that's the one number you want to see improve. But with those big matchups, that's something that needs to be there because you can't beat the Alabamas of the world uh, if you're not hitting your free throws. So it'll be very interesting to see how the non-conference schedule shakes out and you know what the Jacks improved on, what stayed the same. You know, did they get worse in certain areas, but It'll be, uh, like we said, a fun non-conference schedule to kind of to kind of watch this year. Um, but I guess, do you have any other notes on that? 
uh, from the night. No, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty jacked up for the, for the season and to get things going. I'm, I'm ready for college basketball to be back in full force. No, for sure. And, you know, with all that being said, we'll, we'll dive right in now to our conversation uh, that we had with Todd Buckingham. And welcome back. Uh, we're here with uh, Todd Buckingham, the producer of the Reaching the Summit podcast. Todd, how's it going tonight? It's, it's going good. How are you guys? Doing good. We're, you know, excited for Summit League basketball to be starting up here in, you know, a week and some meaningful games in. There's been some exhibitions and we're ready for, you know, real basketball to start up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, right away, we'll just, we'll kind of dive into it. Uh, a couple episodes ago on your guys' podcast, you guys had Coach Henderson on. Um, and, you know, we're just kind of curious what some, you know, takeaways you guys kind of got from that conversation. Was there anything that stuck out to you? Um, kind of give a recap or kind of a teaser for some of our viewers to go over and listen to that uh, interview. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the first thing that always comes up with Coach Henderson is just that energy. And, you know, you get why the entire team stays around and, and uh, why Matt Dentlinger wants to play for whatever year nine or whatever he's up to now um, going into next year. Um, so that's kind of the first takeaway with just him in general and, and comes across as a, as a person that means everything he says. And, it, you know, sometimes you interview the coaches and it's a little bit of coach speak, but I, I really don't think that's what you get from him. And then on the team level that Douglas Wilson is healthy uh, wasn't maybe the entire year last year. Um, and, and then Noah Friedel seems to be on the right track too. So those were kind of the two biggest takeaways. Didn't talk with a lot of the coaches. We're talking a lot of new players and things like that. There just isn't a lot of that. You got Zeke Mayo, but even the new players aren't going to play a whole lot for South Dakota state probably. So. Mm -hmm. Sure. And then I know in that interview, you guys also talked about, you know, scheduling quite a bit and how it's, it's a difficult thing for a team like SDSU to do uh, that plays so well at home. And uh, one thing I was uh, curious about from your perspective is what is one of the non-conference games that SDSU has that you're really excited to kind of see that matchup, um, you know, in this beginning of the season? Um, you know what? I don't have it pulled up in front of me. Give me a couple of the games. Sorry, guys. So, yeah, they start with Bradley at home. It's kind of a mid-major that, they haven't been able to get to come to frost in recent years. And then uh, they also play in the Pentagon showcase. They play Washington and Nevada. Um, they Alabama. play Montana state at Alabama. That's their second game of the year. Um, I think, and then they have a, a West coast road trip where they play at Idaho and Washington state at a neutral site in Spokane. I think for a team like South Dakota state, anytime they're playing those higher major teams, it's tricky because in the Pentagon, in the showcase there, Washington's a PAC 12 team, but so frankly, South Dakota, South Dakota state's probably better. Um, and, uh, but Washington state's okay. That, that's a the team. That's an interesting one to watch. Alabama will be a hell of a test for them um, just to see where they're at. Uh, for me, it's with, South Dakota State, North Dakota State, and Oral Roberts, it's really getting some of those games that they maybe wouldn't get in the past. I think those three teams are veteran and really good. So I'm, I'm just hopeful to see some of those come out as wins. I, I, I think the two-bid summit 
thing we kind of joke about is is a little bit of a pipe dream. The bottom's not good enough, but those three teams are top 100 Ken Palm teams. They really will. I really do think they will be. So it, it in the time to get it is is uh, is during the non-conference because any slip up against the bottom four or five of the summit is going to kill mm-hmm. a team's Ken Palm. So or uh, or net rating or whatever you want to mm-hmm. use. Yeah, and going off that a little bit, I know you don't have everyone's schedule in front of you memorized, so putting you on the spot a little, but is there a non-conference game not involving SDSU, so one of the other Summit League teams that you're, you know, interested in seeing how it plays out? Well, on, on just, uh, you know, North Dakota's in a little bit of a, I think, rebuilding year, losing Rebracha and Iannaccio, I, I but uh, with Patrick Baldwin going to the Betty uh, probably a top five pick in the NBA draft with Milwaukee. Uh, if, if fans don't get out to that one in, in Grand Forks, like that's one of those, you don't get to see a guy like that play in, in, in a summit arena very often. So just, and that's on the opener, uh, that's on the ninth. Um, just for the fact that a guy like, guy like that is playing at, at a summit league team, that's a heck of a chance. Um, Oral Roberts plays Oklahoma state. Um, they're, it was a North Dakota's schedule in general actually has a few, I think they got Montana coming in and uh, Eastern Washington. So they've got a couple of decent um, games going into a lot of the lower level summit league teams are playing um, lower level teams, um, either low D one teams or even some D two. It's really tough for summit league teams to get home games. A lot of times you got to bring in D two teams to, to do that. But it's also interesting when we interviewed Coach Mills, he basically said those help your net rating because they can't hurt you and they count as wins. And, and uh, that, yeah, you're better off. He basically said you're better off scheduling a D2 team than a 250 to 350 net team in D1 because it, it doesn't hurt your rating. Um, so a different way of looking at it because we've always kind of went – well, gosh, why don't they schedule tougher? It will make the league better, um, you know. But what do we know? <laughs> Sitting behind <laughs> a computer, telling people what they should do. But uh. no, for sure. And uh, kind of, you know, zeroing in on SDSU. I guess obviously Cody and I and a lot of our viewers um, and listeners are very biased towards you know SDSU and obviously you know pretty big homers. But I guess from the outside looking in, as somebody that isn't you know doesn't have the vested interest, what's kind of some things that you know should excite? SDSU fans that maybe they're not already looking at and um, kind of a, a second part to that is um, do you think they deserve the 23 first place conference votes that they got or do you think Oral Roberts maybe should have gotten a little bit more credit after their run I get what I, I mean I picked Oral Roberts on the website myself um, but I have also said if somebody's going to tell me it's South Dakota State or North Dakota State winning the Summit League I can't argue with it. I just can't. All three of those teams are really good. And the reason to not pick Oral Roberts makes some sense with O'Banner leaving. Uh, But they brought in a couple of high major transfers and have an athletic freshman that they're super excited about and frankly have a track record of those guys jumping in and contributing right away. I, the, the reason I picked Oral Roberts is I think they finally figured out how to play defense that nobody ever said that they they weren't talented it's just they'd have these games where they lose to whomever omaha and and it's because they wouldn't defend and then they went into the tournament and they didn't win because 
Max went for 50 and O'Banner went for 25 and 12, they won because they played defense. And so I just think that carries over, but South Dakota state, I mean, they're so veteran. They're so talented. They shoot so well. And I think even a little bit on the same lines, they, they, they defend better than in years past. Um, not just relying on the shooting and, and, and that, and then you look at North Dakota state in the same line and it's like rocket cruiser, that guy develops every single year. And he's, I, you could argue he could be player of the year along with uh, Max or Baylor Shireman or, or Douglas. Well, I mean, that's part of the reason for South Dakota state. You could name off three guys that could be player of the year by the end of the, the thing. If Noah comes back and, and is, is back and ready. Um, that's, that's a talented team. So that's kind of been my, you got to pick somebody, but if any of those three teams get to the NCAA turn, I mean, you, I mean, you'll be happy for any summit league team, but if somebody upsets those three teams and it's Western Illinois or Kansas city, you know, muddies it up and makes the, the NCAA tournament, the chances of winning a game in the tournament go down tremendously. When in reality, I think any of those three teams could do maybe not what Oral Roberts did because that hasn't ever happened in the Summit League. So why would we expect that twice in two years in a row? But uh, they could they could win a game in the in the tournament. They're they're that good, and it's why when Coach Henderson talks about how tough it is to schedule, no, no one wants to lose to a one to one twenty five net team on the road or at home. They they don't want to schedule them so. They, they end up doing the, the good thing for the, the thing at the Pentagon because that's where they can get some good games in. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, and you, you kind of alluded to my next question in, in your answer there. Um, but going back to Oral Roberts' Sweet 16 run, um, do, you, do you see that as something that is capable of the Summit League representative doing? Obviously not probably on a yearly basis, but from time to time because we really hadn't seen it at all up until Oral Roberts did it last year, even though there's been good teams? Or was there just something special about how Oral Roberts kind of came together, maybe the matchups they had? Or, you know, is this good for or is this good for the Summer League moving forward in our hopes to win more games in the NCAA tournament? I, I If you look at – so this year in general is such a prime year for t- teams like the top Summit League teams because – Douglas Wilson wouldn't be playing in a, in a typical year um, this season because he would be, he would be done. Rocky cruiser would have moved on. Um, so not only are they veteran, but they're talented and veteran. I think, you know, going forward, it's hard to say, because even some of those, I think some of those Dom uh, South Dakota state teams could have done some damage in the tournament had they made it past Western Illinois in the summit league tournament. But uh, it, it, it's, it, you got to have a team with, and I'll use Kansas City as an example again. That's a team that could go and muddy their way through the Summit League tournament and win. And they have some talent, but they just don't have enough when you're talking a three seed or a two seed or a four seed in the NCAA tournament. Kind of North Dakota State a couple of years ago when they went up against Duke and they played hard for that in the first half. It was close. And then, you know, Duke pulled away. So, it'll I think more depend on if the league can get a little stronger that the league representative is more a 13 seed or a or a 12 or even a 14 
you know, it just so happened as a 15 seed, Oral Roberts had one of the best players in the nation. And combined with one that every high major team, once he announced was going to transfer, wanted him to come play for them. So that that was a ex- really talented Summit League team. It, it hasn't been typical to the representative. But I'll go back to this year. Those three teams are, are good. I just looked at the Sports Illustrated ratings of teams, and they had South Dakota State as the highest rated, somewhere around 115. And I just responded to it saying, I'll, I'll make a prediction for you because with the first net ratings that come out at the end of non-conference play, I bet all three of those teams are under 100. That's mm-hmm. three. To have those three teams at the top of the conference, that typically would be runaway favorites to win the conference in, a, in another year and not have two teams that are that close to them. So I, I do think it's something that could sustain a little bit. I'm excited that teams like Western Illinois – Coach Jeter is a good coach and brings in talent. So a team that used to be awful is now a, a middle of the road um, growing program. Kansas City with with Coach Donlin, they play a style that's going to win some games. I I predicted I'm going to the game. Minneapolis isn't far from me, so I'm going to the Gopher uh, Kansas City game on Tuesday at the opener. I think they'll beat the Gophers. I, the Gophers aren't very good. And Kansas City beats the crap out of you. I wouldn't want to play them in the first game of the season with a brand new team. So some of these teams, Coach Wolbrin coming in for Denver, and that team was lost the last several years. But he's he's already, I think, getting a different culture there. So I'm excited for the conference as a whole um, to, to kind of build up. Coach Lee over at South Dakota, mm-hmm. like I don't know how he does it because I always predict them to do horrible. And then South Dakota fans give me a bunch of crap. And then by the end of the year, I'm like, okay, never mind. I was wrong. Like it did, but I, you know, you tend to look at it in a paper, but he's, I think we could look back in a couple of years and realize he built, he, he builds what South Dakota state and North Dakota state build mm-hmm. as far as programs had he had AJ coming back and all the word on the street is that Stanley Amude wouldn't have transferred if AJ didn't get hurt. Um, so can you imagine that as the one of the four teams with the, at the yeah. top of the conference, that's a heck of a mm-hmm. uh, mid-major conference. So, no, no, for sure. And I guess, you know, maybe one of the teams that weren't brought up and uh, probably a lot of people that listen to this don't really know much about uh, St. Thomas, uh, you know, obviously they're new to the conference. Um, what, how long do you think it'll take a team like them to, you know, catch up to other summit league teams? Obviously they're probably in the richest, um, you know, recruiting area of all summit league teams. So is yeah. it one of those things where, you know, in three years, we're going to be looking at them as a, you know, a top dog in the conference, or do you think it's going to take them five, six, seven plus years before they're really competitive? Uh, you know, that I'm glad you brought them up, Jacob, because I forgot to, to mention them as one of the reasons the conference is just getting stronger this year. They'll be bad. Uh, you can't bring in six foot D three guards who I'm sure can shoot the lights out but they're going to be guarded by guys five inches taller than them now. And they haven't had to do that against Bethel and St. John's and the Mayak. Um, but uh, it, it, they're, they've already got what will probably be the best recruiting class next season. And Jacob, you brought it up. There's two division one programs in the state of Minnesota. It's probably the Minneapolis area is probably the best recruiting grounds in the upper Midwest. And so to have that, that just, I mean, South Dakota state and look no farther 
to teams that have picked from that area, South Dakota State, North Dakota State, all, all the, the Dakotas really have picked from that area. Denver, everybody, Omaha has team players from that area. So now they're in such a unique situation, both recruiting wise and uh, if you've ever been to, to St. Thomas, there's some money in the, at that school too. Um, yeah. So, so they've got the endowment that a lot of schools don't have, especially D3 schools, but really they're jumping in probably ahead of most of the summit league teams too. It, they, they, by the time they're eligible for the tournament, I would not be surprised that they're competing in the top three or four in the conference. Yeah. It just seems like so many recruits, you know, leave Minnesota um, the Gophers can't stick, you know, hold on to them. So it'll be interesting with another D, you know, D1 program in the state if they can, you know, keep some of that, that talent around because it just seems like a lot of it, you know, leaves Minnesota. Yeah, yeah they've already uh, two, two top 100 guys, according, depending on the, the place that you're looking for next season. Um, and so if, if you remember when North Dakota State first came into the summit, they brought in that recruiting class with Woodside and, and, and some of those guys. And so they weren't eligible for the first several years, but then everybody's senior year, they went to the tournament. I, I wouldn't be shocked if that's kind of what they're selling. Mm-hmm. These got these young guys on that. Yeah. It's going to be a few years. Um, but, uh, but look what you could do by your senior year. You could be in the tournament. So uh, yeah, I think it, the basketball will go a lot faster than football for St. Thomas, just by sheer numbers. You get five guys in that are, are high level recruits. You can change a team around versus, you know, 20 or whatever you need in football. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And, uh, you know, kind of wrapping things up here. Um, we kind of touched on a lot here, but I guess, uh, you know, kind of plug, you know, the podcast you guys do and what you guys kind of have coming up is kind of tell us, kind of tell some of the viewers that might not be, you know, already listening to the podcast, uh, what you guys have coming up and uh, what you're kind of expecting, you know, for the podcast throughout the year. Yeah. So it's reaching the summit college basketball podcast. We're in our second season. We also have a website reaching the summit podcast.com. And uh, so we got writers for each um, Jacob is one for South Dakota state. We're writers for each summit league team that kind of focus on that team and, and um, bring it forward. We've, the summit league has started to recognize us as, as something that can be helpful to the league. So they've really reached out to coaches and, and things like that. So we've had coach Mills on so far, coach Henderson, coach Wilburn from Denver. And then um, we just had coach Sather from North Dakota on last week. And we're hoping to get all 10 coaches for the first 10 episodes. We're not don't have anyone booked for this week so we'll see what happens but uh yeah and then we kind of just mix preseason talk for now and then once the season gets going we go into um the the league itself i would consider my i'm really not the talent Uh, greg steeman any of you guys who have been around midco um greg steeman and zach dosh are are the two that do the podcast with me so for the most part i ask questions and stumble over the questions as i'm trying to say them and then they go on after that um, it, but it, it is kind of a unique perspective because Zach is a former player can give the perspective from a player's point of view, Greg coach for years, um, especially at the division two level in Minnesota and in the Dakotas. Um, and then I'm, I'm not a fan of a summit league team, but, but fan in general of college basketball. And so we kind of all come from different perspectives and, uh, 
yeah, really excited about what we're building. I, I'm excited about the website too. And mm-hmm. just, I, I think the Summit League deserves the the light that we're able to shine on it. And I, I personally love the perspective of 10 people that write for 10 different teams. And Jacob, you know this, we sit and chat um, in direct message, the group of us. It's just fun to have a forum for everybody. None of us make any money or anything, but we, we at least get to have fun watching basketball. So. Nope. Yeah. For sure. Todd, uh, appreciate you, you know, coming on and, and talking and uh, giving us all the, the inside scoop on the summit league, you know, with all the knowledge you have. And I think me and Jacob are both fine. If you continue to predict USD to be a bit, a little bit lower than, uh, <laughs> than everyone yeah. else is. So I, we'll, I, we'll take I that. I figured you guys would not mind. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, but no, perfect. Thanks for joining us here uh, this week. We know we kind of reached out on short notice. So, Thanks for coming on. And, uh, you know, like we, like we kind of said earlier, we're all excited for kind of for, uh, you know, this conference or the non-conference season to start up and really see how, you know, these teams match up against some uh, different opponents. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Appreciate coming on. And that was Todd Buckingham from the Reaching the Summit podcast. Uh, Cody, uh, from the interview there, did you have any major takeaways, anything that, you know, was kind of enlightening to you, anything there? I think the biggest thing uh, at the beginning when Todd talked about his interview with Coach Endo and how his energy is just, you know, like mm-hmm. it, you can just, it's tangible. You can feel it when you talk to him. And from being in the locker room and around him when he was an assistant coach, I, I can 100% echo that, that sentiment that when he walks in the gym, your eyes are on him. You want to listen to him. You want to play for him. Um, and he's just a, a really enthusiastic guy, a great teacher. And so I think there's a reason that everyone has stayed around uh, that team. And uh, I think it's a good thing, you know, for the, for Jackrabbit fans moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, other than that, uh, you know, Todd just had a lot of really good inside info about Summit League and some of the non-conference storylines to watch. And, I'm excited to see how the whole league does, uh, you know, throughout, throughout the non-conference season, in addition to, you know, the Jacks. Well, yeah, for sure. And obviously we didn't dive into too many other, you know, insights with different teams, but, you know, like he mentioned, um, there's, you know, potentially three guys on SCSU's roster that could win player of the year. Uh, He brought that up. Usually when you have a guy like Doug, who's won it before, um, you know, usually he's not an afterthought, but like right now, I think going into the year, you kind of look at the players of the year and it's Max and then it might be Baylor. It's kind of the one, two, but Doug, you know, when he turned it on at the end of last year, um, kind of went from potentially being a low second team, third team kind of guy to making, I think he made first team uh, by the end of the year. So, you know, if you get him a full year of, you know, healthy Doug, I think, you know, you're looking at a guy that could go rival the, you know, player of the year. You know, he mentioned Rocky, um, that's gonna be a, you know another interesting matchup. You know, you usually see Matt Detlinger and Rocky kind of go back and forth, but you know you'll see Doug and Rocky probably uh, lock horns a little bit. Um, and then he you know he brought up Noah again. Um, you know, all indications are Noah's gonna be good to go, and uh, I don't think he gets voted second team if there wasn't a little bit of you know thought around the Summit League and throughout you know SDSU's locker room that you know he could return kind of to what we saw a couple of years ago from him. Um, so, you know, hopefully the season goes as planned. Um, 
but that's why they play the game. Uh, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, things shake up. And I think there's a lot of, you know, interesting storylines that we could have, you know, been on with Todd for an hour um, and just, you know, went team by team and discussed kind of all the storylines and um, obviously brought up St. Thomas um, and how they, you know, with Minnesota and all the recruits there, um, you know, it'll be interesting. You know, we kind of touched on it last week, but uh, what they'll do for the Summit League because, um, you know, you could see, Obviously, you know, it's not going to be an overnight thing, but Gonzaga's kind of set up the same way they are. Uh, you know, it's not a big school. It's a small school, but they have a lot of endowment. So, um, obviously, I don't think that's going to be, you know, obviously, like I said, I don't think it's going to be happen overnight, and Gonzaga is a pretty rare thing to happen. Um, but, you know, a, a team like that or a school like that could easily kind of turn that into if they throw all their money into basketball um, and, you know, hockey. Uh, they don't, you know, maybe go into as many sports, but adding a, a fourth and fifth consistent team, you know, will be big for, you know, a two-bid summit versus, you know, a one-bid kind of like, you know, they joke about. Yeah, it's uh, something to watch, and I, I think we're all excited for it. And, yep. you know, by the time you hear us again for episode three, first game will be under the belt for both the men's and women's teams. So we'll finally have something uh, – concrete to talk about rather than just a bunch of speculation no for sure so so yeah like cody said you know next tuesday uh there's a men's and women's double header up in brookings green bay for the women bradley for the men two high mid-major schools programs coming to brookings get out and watch the game uh you know fill frost up uh you know show why it's the home court advantage but um you know we'll be back next week next wednesday with a new episode previewing you know the upcoming games uh the Alabama game for the men will be a big point of discussion um I'm guessing uh but you know with that being said thanks for joining us here for episode two of the rabbit rundown uh follow us on twitter at rabbit rundown um you know like our podcast on itunes and spotify subscribe to the first people see it every week and we will see you next wednesday <laughs>